In this episode of New Tricks, we're joined by sector consultant Philip Ward as we ponder whether Wyndham and Choice shall leap into the pumpkin carriage and go to the acquisition ball. We also consider what Whitbread would do with the cash from the rumoured sale of their F&B business. And if that weren't enough, there is a new dog branded pen up for grabs. Hello and welcome to New Tricks, which is the somewhat regular podcast from New Dog PR. New Dog PR is us, Emily Newman, and she, Catherine Dogwell. Catherine, how are you? I'm very well, Emily, and how are you? Fine, thank you. Yes, um, we have been, I've been in somewhat of a five-day picnic situation, which started on Thursday afternoon at the end of school at about 3.30, and we finally left the park at 9pm, having drunk quite a lot of Prosecco. The kids were absolutely filthy slash feral. And it's Mm. just continued along that vein, really, until this morning when I realised I wasn't going to a park. I was going to work. So it's somewhat of a shock. That is awful. See, this is what happens when you have 16 bank holidays in a month. Exactly. Exactly. And there's inset days thrown in. I don't know what day of the week it is. It doesn't really matter. The child's gone somewhere today with some sort of responsible person looking after him. I'm at work. Sort of normality is resuming, but don't ask me anything too complicated. Very nice. How are you? I'm very good. I'm reasonably confident you now can hear my washing machine as it's now entering. No. Remarkable. Remarkable. You can hear it more. We'll all imagine we can hear your washing machine. Yes, that would be do, helpful. Do. Right. Very good. Um, we have a guest this week, which is most delightful indeed. Um, and he is Philip Ward, consultant. Philip, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a great pleasure to join you both. I love the, the show and I'm very pleased to be invited. Well, you are most welcome. And and you say that in anticipation of it all being delightful. So we we thank you for your for your optimistic outlook. Absolutely. No, I've, I've heard I've heard I haven't heard all 87, but I've heard a fair sample. And I know that um, your guests are always very well treated and seem to enjoy themselves immensely. Well, this is true. This is true. And we did learn at the recent gathering of some of the hotel investment community that, in fact, more than as we continually to continue to be delighted by more than just my mother listened, there were other people in that yes. fair space. People requested they be on it. They did. So it's not like that Radio 4 programme where they keep talking about the listener. You know, there's these two. Exactly. Yes. Yes. We can go to plural. ourselves pluralised. <laughs> Um, right, things and stuff that have been going on. <clears throat> Shall we start? Well, we're, we're going to have a we're going to have some um, speculation, wild speculation, hopefully, um, as to when and how Choice might be piling into buying some some Wyndham or an acquisition. Do we call it an ac- we call it an acquisition? Um, but but yes, it's, one, it's one of those. Everyone's calling it a merger, but it's not a merger because because one side takes over the other. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Right. But before that, should we just to show absolute, because that's the sort of long running, as in three or four days long running story. Uh, As noted this morning, Boring Boring Whitbread, which is particularly, um, particularly exciting subject to Catherine's always, uh, may well be selling off, selling off their F&B, we learn, which, and we were surprised to learn that they still had F&B, but they indeed do in the form of that long-standing traditional outlet, Beef Eaters. Yes, it's exciting news for anyone who wants to buy themselves a Carberry brand um, because, oh, look at this, Beef Eater and that other one they have, Brewer's Fair. Is that the one with the salad bar? I think there is a salad bar available. So I used to work for a Whitbread pub. In fact, 
viewers. Uh, I still have my Whitbread badge here. I believe I have the silver silver ranking. Yes, here it is. The Whitbread Whitbread Silver Award. And so handy. The prop was so, so handy. handy. It's so handy that my washing machine was going, otherwise I wouldn't have been sitting at my desk admiring my silver award. This was back when Whitbread was Whitbread Inns. I recall. Yes. I had to fill in a, um, it was a multiple choice test to achieve this award. Uh, And one of the questions was something about what happens if somebody deals drugs in your car park, Um, which was very accurate because people often did deal drugs in our car park. So we were very pleased. And there was once a fight in our car park featuring the chef. And that is chefs for you. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Whitbread's changed quite a bit over the years. I remember. Yes, I don't think you can deal drugs in the car park anymore. Oh, well, I, I, I wouldn't care to comment. But if you remember, Whitbread used to have this partnership with Marriott. I remember going to Washington for the Bush Junior inauguration um, with a number of other people who were invited by Marriott, and the Whitbread top brass were there. And obviously, it was an important relationship for them then. And I guess it's a thing of the past now. Presumably, all that's left of, within Whitbread now must be Premier Inn. That's yes, once somebody's picked up their noted carvery business, that will be it. Mm. And then, and weren't we were part of Grand Met as well at one point when they so were more? Yeah. Weren't Whitbread? Didn't Whitbread include Grand Met at some point, or is that? Am I thinking of someone entirely different when they were back when they when they had a brewing business? You'll recall that Whitbread started off as brewers um, yeah. back in the day, and they got rid of the the, the, the beer business. Um, well, a long time ago, if you're you know youthful, but within living memory for everyone else. If Grand Met brings back memories of Max Joseph and all that, but. Um, if you were to do a poll, a sort of talk to the man or woman on the street, especially of a certain age, and you said, so Whitbread, presumably they would think pubs, they would think beer, wouldn't they? They wouldn't necessarily, unless they were regular customers of Premier Inn, they wouldn't necessarily think of Premier Inn, would they? They would not. They would not because they built up this Premier Inn brand featuring names of other other similar budget things. And uh, and this is what they have. And now they're getting rid of the Calvary's. Mm. And what will they be doing with the money for these carveries is, of course, the interesting thing. Because it's a a good, solid business. When we were there, people did, no one came into our pub, but people came to another Whitbread pub that was down the road very often to have their carvery. Uh, And it's a good, solid value business, which, of course, is the Whitbread way. Um, So so somebody will buy this. Yes. Because presumably, if they're getting rid of all these things, that means that they think they're better off allocating their capital to the development of Premier Inn in the UK, in Germany, and possibly other places? One assumes they will use the money for that. Though it's um, it's an assumption. I see my internet connection is unstable, so if I go, it's, um, that's me. But um, but there's an assumption, of course, that Whitbread will sell something and then use the money. You'll recall when they sold Costa, they sat on the money, and then during the pandemic, they raised more money to create this colossal raging war chest with which they have done nothing interesting. Hence... The title, your exactly. title for them. So maybe they're just going to sell this and then go, oh, that's nice. I think an important question to ask at this juncture is why you only got a silver badge? What precluded you, what limited you from the gold badge? We all want to know. Well, I then left Whitbread because I was only there working for the summer while I was a student. What, you only used the hospitality as a part-time, part-time juncture? You didn't plough into it? I didn't. Oddly enough, I didn't see it as a long-term career necessarily. Well... That's a whole other podcast, isn't it? But, um, but I'm just noticing that on the old Whitbread, I, I, I hit Take to Be logo, uh, it says service standards value. So do we think they've stuck with this? Yes. Did you adhere to those? 
principles. I can't talk about my time at Whitbread because it was, it was a difficult time about which, if it had been America, non-disclosures would have been involved. But there's a statute of limitations presumably by now, right? I think everyone who was there is dead now, yes. So exactly. We're fine, we're fine. <laughs> but it, so, so they sat on the money, you say, and what I haven't looked at because I wasn't thinking about Whitbread when I woke up this morning is what their share price has done in, in recent years, whether it's, it's done as well as some of the other um, similarly listed uh, hotel operators in that, in that segment. If they sit on the money and don't invest it, then that presumably counts against them. But I suppose the other question is, if they're just going to be um, Premier Inn, they own some of their Premier Inns, others are, uh, are leased, whether it makes sense for them at some point to do the same as Accord, obviously a, another big player in the, in the budget sector in Europe, and um, and and separate the the owned and leased assets from the actual operations and brand. Yes, well, there's, there's often been the thought, hasn't there, about who will buy Whitbread if Whitbread buying was a possibility? But um, but that's always been the stock the stopping point, hasn't it? That they it's just too big, it's just worth too much. Um, and you would have to split everything out from it. So it's um, so they. Uh, I can see from looking with my eyes that their um, share price has not returned to its pre-pandemic peak uh, as yet. It's sort of been chuntering along, and they're going and then down, and then up a bit. Of course, they lost their uh, CEO and all sorts of things like that along the way. Um, although it wasn't a particularly gritty transition, uh, and their market cap is six point five nine billion pounds. Mm. Awful lot to pay for Premier Inn if you were so minded. Perhaps this is like their, um, you know how the, the the Roman soldiers sort of popped all their popped all their um, shields together to make their their defence. Perhaps this is the the Whitbread defence is just make yourself so large that you are never going to find that down the back of the sofa, and so everyone can just shuffle off and look somewhere else, please. Yeah, so it's a classic British listed uh, company, isn't it? And that's it. It's very dull. It makes money, and it's very dull. You say it's very dull, but it, 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 after all these years, it has managed to expand into Germany. I think it's got about 40 Premier Inns there, which is not insignificant. So they are making progress. It's not completely dull, surely. Well, maybe they would like to, you know, buy Ackles budget brands or something. No, I don't know about that. But that I suppose one advantage of... Sorry, Emily, what did you say? No, I was just going to say, uh, as, please, you carry on, because we're, we'll, um, we're going to get to... Who might buy what in a minute? But Philip, please continue. Yeah, to to Catherine's point about uh, this being a British listed company, one one benefit of its um, status and and presumably shareholder base and and base of activities is that it's presumably one of those companies that are unlikely to decamp to to New York and get listed there. It doesn't even feature on the FT's list of most likely candidates to emigrate. So. Um, that's one at least that investors in this country presumably can carry on investing in and hope to receive a decent dividend. Yes, thrilling story. <laughs> not boring at all. Some solid investment advice for you all there. Right, so on to... Um, is, more solid is it, investment advice. Is it unfair? More solid investment advice. Is it unfair to call it a rumour? We don't have anything to substantiate this, but it does feel like slightly more than a rumour at the moment. I'm going to do a preamble, but you plough in when I get the facts wrong, because this is based on notes from Bloomberg this this morning. So from what I understand, mm-hmm. the share prices at Wyndham are up. 
but the collective value is less than it should be. It's just, it has recently, 25th of May, refinanced to the tune of just over a billion dollars. Um, and the, the heavy thinking thought is that choice may be about to pile in with an acquisition. Have I got that, that context correct? That sounds about right. Yes. And so on the news of this rumour, which is in the Wall Street Journal, wasn't it? Uh, Wyndham's share price went up and Choice's share price went down. But Choice's share price has now come back up a little bit. And so far, everyone's going, we don't comment on rumours that happen. That's all normal, isn't it? If, you, if, if what you're saying is that Choice is planning to buy Wyndham, then I guess Wyndham's price would adjust. To ref- if people assume the deal is going to go through uh, and obviously there has to be some uncertainty because it hasn't actually been announced anyway, the Wyndham share price should move towards where the market thinks that the choice offer will be. And then people may well arbitrage between the two stocks or simply think, well, it's a good deal for Wyndham because shareholders will get a premium and they can stay or get out. Uh, but it may not be such a good deal for choice. There may be some risk on execution and therefore I mark the shares down. This happens. Mm, and and Indeed. And I am the again. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wyndham seem to seem to have a slightly bigger property footprint. I think they've got nine thousand hotels across ninety five countries. Choice is seven thousand. But have they got a better or more attractive loyalty program? So Choice have this thing um, called Sky Touch. Uh, yes, which sounds like it's right right off of Terminator, um, which is. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is. Uh, Sky, Sky, no, not Skyrim. Anyway, they have this technology. And there were for a long time, there was the speculation that they were going to spin it off um, and it was going to be amazing. Um, and that, as far as I can see, didn't happen, wasn't going to happen. I think the pandemic came along. So they have this technology centre, which is of interest, there has been of waning interest. But of course, what they've been doing recently um, is expanding out of their budget core um, with the Radisson deal. Um, which has added an element of broadness to the portfolio and an element of interest as to what might happen um, should they buy Wyndham, which of course would be most of interest to everyone else, because at the moment you've got Joyce and Wyndham and they've always been the kind of left behind. No one in the sector really gives a shit about them because they're like, oh, you know, they're like franchises and who cares about franchises? And, you know, and they're like budget, no one wants budget hotels. So really they're all the also rounds. But during the pandemic, they were the only um, hotel companies who were consistently delivering um, because, of course, that's what that's what they do. Budgets do that and franchising, everyone likes franchising. But, um, but, uh, but Phyllis, before I go off in, in 16 different strands, which is the possibility of this deal, um, what are your thoughts on the matter? I read somewhere that Wyndham was um, possibly also the door into all-inclusive because of an agreement with Playa and also Palladium in Spain. So maybe that's also an angle. If you remember when Marriott bought Elegant, uh, which was listed in London, um, the reason for doing that was that Marriott had decided that all-inclusive uh, was quite an attractive segment to be in. And it seems to be part of this um, background story that you keep reading about all-inclusive moving up market. So maybe there's an aspect there as well that justifies the transaction potentially. Yes. Yes, and of course, the the elegant deal was um was done to feed the loyalty program. Marriott needed to feed the loyalty program with more leisure, um, so that people could cash in their their chips when they acquire one hundred twenty five thousand points. Um. So yes, yes, indeed. Um. 
But uh, but it's interesting because we've seen um, in recent years this move towards franchising by the wider population of the hotel sector, having looked down on it as like something rubbish that, that McDonald's did. It's now, oh, actually, we don't really like running hotels and we'd rather do this. And um, and uh, and eagle-eyed viewers will remember a lovely column that, that uh, Alex Sonia from Gas wrote recently all about how um, hotel companies are moving more into franchising and then lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter touch they have. They are moving towards becoming consumer brands. Alex didn't say that, but it, that's where it's going. And more into becoming data companies. And in that respect, are Wyndham and Choice really ahead of the game, having been seen as like, you know, just a little bit, we don't really like to talk to them unless we really have to. Uh, is that where they're going? Are they at the forefront of the, of the, modern, the modern hotel age? It is, of course, a possibility that they read Alex's column and decided their entire strategy based on that. Well, I would assume that the timing entirely backs up that thesis. Could it also just be an issue of size? I mean, once they do this deal, assuming they do do this deal, will they have more rooms within their system than Marriott or or will Marriott still be number one? Mm, that's a very good question that may well re- require some research or we could do a fastest finger first and whoever wants to reply having listened to the podcast will get a free pen Ooh. exactly and there's also the possibility of it being attractive from the point of view of geographical diversification I, I don't know how strong either of those brands are in Europe for instance because both of them I, I guess bulk of their business is in, is in North America Choice has a stronger showing in in Europe and a growing showing and has been making efforts to set up offices in Europe and generally expand into Europe. And of course, this raises the interesting point about if they did merge, what would happen with Radisson and what would happen with Radisson in Europe? Is Radisson in Europe still run out of Brussels? Uh, I think so. That could be the base for the merged entity as far as Europe's concerned, you mean, for operations? Uh, I mean, what would then happen uh, in terms of all the other European movements? What would happen mm. with Radisson? Because what would happen with Radisson? And there's been lots of speculation about that people are always being linked to a possible purchase of Radisson. What does it mean for the Chinese owners? Where are we all going with this? What does it mean for Ackle when they split up? What do you think yeah. that on that front? So say they do merge, which you know we're all happy to believe. Am I right in thinking that the, the Radisson US transaction was a result of the American authorities being unhappy about Radisson US being owned by Chinese state-backed or public sector-backed owners? Is that is that the story originally as to why Radisson US got sold off? That was certainly a rumour doing the rounds. Sounds plausible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. But going back to your point, Catherine, about franchise versus management agreements, it's undeniable that 10, 15 years ago, franchise was very much seen as something that was good for budget and, and the lower end of the spectrum. And it's moved and, and management agreements were seen as the, the appropriate form of, um, uh, of tenure in, in terms of contractual relationships, commercial contractual relationships um, at the higher end. And we've seen a progressive growth of franchise at the higher end with, of course, the emergence of all the, the sandwich companies that, that manage the assets uh, for owners and um, and and of course are very very happy to take advantage of the development of the franchise model. Um, so maybe maybe that means that Choice and Wyndham are no longer the Cinderellas compared with you know, Marriott and IHG and so on. And if they start being extremely big as well and global, at least outside Asia, uh, then it, yes, it could be a very uh, interesting transaction. You mentioned as well, Catherine, the um, they are both very 
strong in the budget bit and that was a, a joy from the pandemic and and regular viewers listeners uh um however you get your information from new dog will be um very familiar with the launch of hilton's latest budget brand albeit extended stay um give us well, a windham and choice are not averse to extended stay windham launched a new extended stay recently ish so let's check that out. That might not just be, or it might be drivel. What? <laughs> what? Is it say the future? Oh, completely. Uh, I, in fact, I, I believe that, that at some point uh, all hotels will be extended stay. Um, yes, Wyndham Launch's new extended stay band, no echo, echo suites. Oh, what that means. Um, numbers, words. Um, but uh, because, because extended stay allows you to. Um, live when you're away like you live normally whereas hotels allow you to live like you're living with your parents um you have your own bedroom um but nothing more and you're told when you can eat and drink so i think increasingly people will think maybe i'd rather stay an extended stay um and particularly with all these competitively priced extended stay brands now coming into the market see emily how sadly given that i have none of the answers there's been a slight shift and i'm now asking the questions and catherine's providing the answers which is very helpful no, it's right. tremendous. It's tremendous. Yes, because actually, she she knows her stuff. Whereas I I couldn't you know, would comment, but uh, there we are. Well, no, it's good to know because if any of us, you know, either of us are off sick, you can pile in as the uh, as a as an interviewer as well. Oh yes, well I I wouldn't dream of trying to do that. That'd be <laughs> hopelessly inadequate. But but on this occasion, it was great because I didn't have to ask my own question, which I'd been incapable of doing. Seamless, seamless. But obviously, don't give the answers. Don't give your your tactics away. Um, <laughs> Um, we are going to... Oh, I was going to say, so does this all mean... So I'm assuming that Wyndham and Choice will merge and that's like just done now, uh, despite the fact that no one's confirmed that at all and some of the analysts hate it. And and that could, well, I think we can park all that and assume this happened. Um, Presumably your, your podcast comes with a health warning to listeners that, that none of this should be taken as any form of investment advice because none of us know what we're talking about. Um, yes. Well, I think you just Good. said it. Okay. Also, no, that's just very then that's fine. That's fine. Which is, which just, is just, just trying to, just trying to preserve our um, you know, livelihoods for the future. Yeah, that would be helpful. Free pens yeah. though. Free pens. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's one else. Um, so, and then, but then, so then assuming that happens, um, and everyone's very happy and it's all wonderful. Uh, well then what happens when Accor spins off its budget brands? Do they then pick up the budget brands? This new entity. This new entity, which which choice or choy choy ham, win choice, ham ham choice. I like ham choice. It is sold. Yeah. Um, So when when ham choice are out there looking at like (laughs) the globe and thinking we'd like to be deeper into Europe, we should just buy all the ibises and that. I think we need the answer to Philip's very pertinent question, which the fastest finger first listener is going to come back to us on. When, to understand the geographical spread, don't we? Because Basically, there is choice has been looking more to Europe, yeah. but is not a dominant force in Europe. Not Whereas. in not in the in the budget way that Accor is undeniably the king of Europe. So you're implying that there'd be no antitrust issue. Uh, well, the interesting thing about antitrust that I always find in the hotel sector, um, and it came up when Whitbread bought um, when Marriott bought something uh, ages ago. Something, or there was something else in the EOTA sector. Um, there was some big deal, and it and it didn't get referred, but people thought it was going to be referred. 
um, because they were they said, you know what? Yes. It, on the one hand, you could look at it and go, oh, my God, they'll have 97 percent of budget or they'll have 97 percent of all brands in the world. Where is But in the wider context of the hotel market? Brands still aren't as dominant as they might be. And that means that often when these deals go through and people think, well, they're going to own the market and it's going to be dreadful. They go, well, actually, you know, even if we did buy all the other hotel companies in the world, it still wouldn't be that much of a threat because there's still plenty of choice out there for, of course, the customer who is the primary point of concern with these things. Um, so, so it's possible that they could get away with that. And then, yes. So, yes. So it's, it's in the past, antitrust hasn't been a huge issue for the hotels, the branded hotel sector, because the brands aren't that dominant. But uh, I remember working on a transaction oof, 20 years ago and uh, with one of the big brands. And they definitely had their lawyers in Brussels crawling all over the transaction, even though it was a very well, relatively small transaction. And it was a very limited market, uh, one, one big city. And they still were concerned about the potential local and EU antitrust aspect. So mm. I take your point, but when planning these transactions, if they are, the companies involved will have lawyers crawling all over this, asking themselves all those questions in great detail. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, because one must feed the lawyers. Um, so that's mm. that an important thing. Um, but yes, whether it actually in, in effect would, would be a problem particularly given choice and Wyndham's low showing in Europe as it is anyway, um, buying Ackle would barely be a case of buying Ackle. Or in your case, a bit of Ackle. Oh, yeah, the budget. budget. Yes. No, no, I I imagine you'll be prizing the luxury section out out of um, Baz's cold dead hands. Well, I think we've got the got the next sort of three to six months of the uh, of the hotel investment market nailed um and thank goodness finally a possibility really, of a large yes. deal because i am bored out of my mind with these tedious tiny deals that no one gives a shit about there we go sold um yeah. philip we um round off these glorious sessions by asking guests uh, to share a a memorable hotel experience that they have had but before we get to that i want to ask you very quickly about pricing and expectations of pricing um i don't know whether are we catherine has been chasing the quarter of reckoning for some 27 million years now 400 quarters <laughs> do is it uh, is it going to happen? Are we, we're not going to see this apocalypse of, of transactions, presumably. What's your? Can you just give us a sort of general sentiment of of the market? I realise that is an extremely broad question. We haven't even prepped for it, but you're brilliant, so you'll be able to answer it. Or just ask me a question back. I don't know somehow. <laughs> you, you've, you've spotted my tactic, but I did. I'm, admittedly, I did reveal it. But um, no, the. The thing that comes to mind is um, apparently a lot of work is being done by people in the market on refinancings. So that seems to be the theme at the moment rather than, um, than, than M&A. So I don't know if that leads to a quarter of reckoning. I suppose it depends on the quality of the refinancing, the prices people or well, the rates people achieve and whether they're happy with the outcome or not. Well, and the eagle-eyed listener will recall that this the, the choice window conversation started with their $1 billion uh, refinancing. So <clears throat> that may well... Go be true one recalls that at the beginning of the pandemic there were lots of refinancings and financings that were done at some quite non-advantageous rates and so presumably all those ships will be coming into harbour at some point exactly we await the docking of those ships um Mm. right philip a memorable hotel experience can you share one yes 
Yes. So uh, for my 11th birthday, my mother and I were invited to Greece uh, and it was a marvellous holiday. I remember it vividly. And the first moment was, and I'd never been that far from home, we arrived in Athens and we went to the Athens Hilton. And I'd never stayed in an American hotel uh, of any description beforehand. And I was completely wowed by it. It was, um, I remember in particular the, the restaurant, they had moussaka, which I'd never tasted before. And everything was exactly like in a film. It was one of these big box hotels that we now deride. Uh, and I've been back to it since and thought, what was so special about it? But as a little wide-eyed 11-year-old that I was, it was the most magnificent thing ever. Did I know that hotels would be a thing in my life later? No, uh, but it's still a fond memory. Did you have tons and tons of sugar for breakfast in various pancakes or? Oh, everything, everything. Yes. And and just the fact there was a buffet and, and endless amounts of food. Uh, it, it was extraordinary. And you had this this lift that went to the umpteenth floor and was so smooth and speedy. And and I think you had decapsulators in the bathroom and probably an ice machine in the corridor. I mean, it was just lovely, very the, lovely. The stuff of dreams and the stuff oh, of yes. careers. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, that was marvellous. Philip, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and Catherine, thank you for, um, I think collectively we have just, we've sorted out the market. Yep, out. Um, everyone's welcome. Uh, place your bets now. Very, um, very rigorous insurance we do have. And please don't, you know, put your house or anything valuable on any of the advice that we've given you. But enjoy speculation. And if you can answer the question, you get a free pen. Free pen. And thanks very much to the two of you. It's been an absolute delight. I've enjoyed it immensely. You are most welcome. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Philip. All the best to you both. Thank you very much, listeners, uh, for listening and lending us your listening ears. Do like, share, subscribe, um, tell your cat about it. It all helps. And join us again for another episode of New Tricks next time. Bye-bye. 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 So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.